here and prayer team have been praying this morning that you and your family would encounter the Lord in a special way today. With that being said, service is about to begin. So if you're out in the lobby, we want to invite you to make your way into the sanctuary. Jesus is for every generation. We have our Renew Kids program for infants to 12 years of age available for your family. The Renew Kids staff and volunteers, they work hard to make sure your children are safe and have a blast while learning about Jesus. So be sure to check your kids in at Renew Kids. have a nursing mother's room that's available where you and your baby can watch the service comfortably. The room is located in the back right of the sanctuary. If you need help finding the nursing mother's room, an usher or greeter would be happy to help you. your attention to the seat in front of you where you should find our connect cards. First, we have our green new here card. So if this is your first time joining us, please fill out that card. We'd love to connect with you. Next, we have our blue next steps card. This card is for those interested in taking their next step, like getting baptized, taking our next steps class, or maybe dedicating your child. Finally, we have our gray prayer card. We believe in the power of prayer, and our staff and prayer team would love to partner with you in believing God to move in your life. So be sure to fill out that card with any prayer requests. If you fill any of these cards out, please drop them off at our giving kiosks that are located in the back of the sanctuary or in the lobby.
Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead, and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body, they saw the angel sitting there, and they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire, that a man had risen from the dead, that he was alive, that death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. Good morning, church. Come on, let's stand. Let's praise Him this morning. He's worthy. Down. 
Nothing is better than 
let your praise arise today. Oh, we're so thankful, Jesus. We're thankful you're alive today. Where would I be without you, Lord? Oh, with everything I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Praise God.
house this morning. We stand in the freedom you provided for us, God. And we're a grateful people in this house. Aside from your blood, we had no provision. And Father, you saw our poverty and you made provision for us through your son. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence in this house this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Amen. He is risen. He's alive this morning. Um, Go ahead and take a couple of seconds to greet the person next to you. Good morning. I just want to extend a warm welcome to you again and again. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, We are so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. If this is your first time to Christian Renewal Church, we just want to, again, extend a warm welcome to you. Welcome to those who are watching online. Um, We just recognize that uh, God is purposeful um, in bringing you here this morning. And so our prayer and our hope is that you get to experience God in a very real way this morning, in a transformative way this morning. Amen. Um, if you'll look in the seat in front of you, you'll see there are a couple of connect cards. Um, we just want to encourage you, if this is your first time, go ahead and fill one of those out. Um, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, and if you notice outside, we have a new coffee cart. Um, North End Coffee is a new reality for us. Um, Pastor Micah and Vanessa have been working very hard at it. Um, and so if you haven't checked it out already, do so. Um, all the profits from that go to Outreach. Um, So we'll have different outreaches every month. Um, I know this month is going to CAPA, which is the Child Abuse Prevention Association. So it's just a great way to support them. Um, And if this is your first time, you can bring that green card out there and your coffee is free. So there's that. Um, We're going to pray over the offering. And as always, um, we have the giving kiosks at the back and you can give online as well. Um, So, Father, we just thank you again just for your incredible presence with us this morning. Um, Father, I ask that as we give this morning that you will use our resources to advance your kingdom in the low country, in our region, Lord. And even beyond our finances, that you will use us as individuals to bring your kingdom in this region. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to be in John chapter 12 again this morning. If you want to go ahead and turn your scriptures in that direction. Lord, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus this morning. We do say that there's in no other name that we have life other than the name of Jesus. 
And that name is all-powerful, all-beautiful, majestic, and glorious. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your sweet presence in the house this morning. We pray that you would move our hearts, convict us, stir us. We ask for your ministry, Holy Spirit, not the ministry of a man, but the ministry of the Spirit in this place today. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. John chapter 12. We've talked before about C.S. Lewis's imagery and the line, The Witch of the Wardrobe, where he says that um, in, in Narnia, it's, it's always winter and never Christmas. And he's describing what it's like to live outside of Jesus. Life outside of Jesus is always cold. It's always death. It's never hope and joy. In, in Narnia, it's always winter and never Christmas. He writes later in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Aslan bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, then we'll have spring again. When Aslan bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. When the great lion in the tribe of Judah bears his teeth, sin and darkness, death, and all of hell itself meets its final defeat. And when he shakes his mane, spring, life, hope, fountains of real joy are released. Where darkness and gloom have triumphed, faith, hope, and love now reign. And the plague of death that has tormented all of humanity is broken because of this lion, because of this beautiful lamb that's been slain on our behalf. Hallelujah. Jesus is speaking to a, a largely agricultural society in John chapter 12, where he uses an, another image, an image that is beautiful in, in all of its meaning. And when he says this, Jesus says to an agricultural society, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Let's read John chapter 12 together. We'll pick up in the last verse from last week, and so this is the, the day of his triumphal in, entry. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship in the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew, and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's take a quick moment just to build context for what's happening in our scriptures today. Remember last week we talked about the triumphal entry where Jesus comes into the city riding on a donkey's colt and the city receives him as the prophesied king and they shout Hosanna and they wave palm branches declaring his victory. He comes to fulfill Zechariah's prophecy where he says, your king comes to you, Jerusalem, humble and mounted on a donkey. And remember the prophecy says that he will bring ultimate and total peace, that all weapons will be destroyed, the chariots will be done away with. And this king would reign from sea to sea, from the rivers and to the ends of the earth. The dominion of this prophesied king would have no end and he would bring ultimate and total and final peace. 
We said last week that the only way for this Messiah to bring ultimate, total, and final peace is not to deal with the political power of Rome, but to deal with the power of death and hell itself. And so we ended with our scripture last week. So Jesus comes in and the crowds shout and declare his, his kingship. And the, the scripture ends with the Pharisees saying, look, the whole world's going after him. We're gaining nothing. In other words, the Pharisees are saying, the crowds love him and adore him and follow him. And they're leaving our houses and our, our crowds quickly. We're losing our entire following and our glory. Then our scripture picks up this week. So first by saying that the Pharisees reject him. And then by telling us that there are some, some Greeks, some Gentiles who come to inquire of Jesus. John told us earlier that the reason the crowds have come to see and to celebrate Jesus is because they've heard of Lazarus' raising from the dead. So just some short time before, you remember the story. Lazarus has laid in the dead for, in the grave for four days. And when Jesus raises his voice and says, Lazarus, come out, that dead, cold, stale body gets on its feet and life begins to flow again. They come to see the man who raises the dead. They come to see the man who declares life and dead people get out from the grave. Or do they come to hear of Jesus' political strategy? Remember again that many think that Jesus is preparing to overthrow Rome. So maybe the Greeks and the Gentiles come to Jesus to hear of what he plans to do politically speaking. How will he ascend to the throne? How will he drive out Rome? The scripture says they go to Philip and they say, Philip, take us to Jesus. And Philip being too nervous goes to Andrew and Andrew's oftentimes in church history called Andrew the introducer because he's always the one introducing people to Jesus. It was Andrew in John chapter 1 who introduced his brother Peter to Jesus for the first time. So they come to Jesus and they maybe want to see his miraculous ministry. Maybe want to hear his prophetic teaching. Maybe want to witness his, um, his great insurrection when he overthrows Rome. And they come to Jesus, show us, tell us. We long to see what you're about to do. And Jesus says this, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. First, clearly Jesus is prophesying his own demise, his own death. Unless a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die. What will you do next, Jesus? How will you conquer? How will you overthrow? How will you bring about your kingdom? Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. I will be glorified in this hour, Jesus declares, as I fall into the ground and die. He makes it plainly known that in one sense he has no intent of causing a great political insurrection. On the other hand, he has every intent on bringing a great rebellion against death and hell and suffering itself. What he is about to accomplish is not political in nature. It is spiritual in nature. It is total and final victory. He will overthrow all the demonic principalities that hover above these people. Oh, today the crowds shout, Hosanna! And the crowds adore me. But Jesus says, there's a day coming when they will curse me. But the seed must be sown. The crowds laid palm branches before him and declare him king. And it's Just days later when the crowds will stand before Pilate, the Roman official, and declare, crucify him. And Jesus says, but the seed must be sown. They will strike his holy face. Prophesy to us, who is it that struck you, O king of the Jews? But the seed must be sown. 
as he hangs on a tree. Blood pours from his holy veins. They declare, aren't you the king of Jews? Deliver yourself. But by God, the seed must be sown. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth because the seed must be sown. The seed of the greatest harvest that history has ever known is the crucified body of the Messiah. His broken, torn flesh is the seed of the great revival of end times. His broken, crushed body is the seed of the great redemption. His broken, crushed body is the seed of the great end time harvest when all of creation will be redeemed from the very fabric. The seed must be sown. He will go sacrificially to his own brutal murder. According to Isaiah 53, the suffering servant will absorb upon himself our suffering, our chastisement, our guilt, our persecution. And his open wounds will bring us healing. The paradox here that when Messiah is crushed, his flesh is torn, his open wounds will open up for you healing because the seed must be sown. You must remember that his suffering was on your behalf, was for you. The suffering of Messiah was not pointless. It was for your healing, for your redemption. It was on your behalf. The brutal death that he endured was for you. He bled, was pierced, endured awful agony with you in mind. Bow your knee to him today. Do not deny him his reward for another hour. The Moravians used to say he's worthy of the reward of his suffering. What is the reward of the suffering of the slain lamb? The harvest, your souls being washed and cleansed, your heart being born again, your life coming into the kingdom. Don't deny him his reward for his suffering, friends. Jesus says there is a great shaking coming to all of creation, Greeks, but first the seed must be sown. Next, he says, using the imagery, that the seed will lie dormant in the ground for some time. But there is a time coming when the seed will sprout with all of its glory. The seed will break the earth and like a sprout, shoot forward. And in that hour, you will see the glory of the seed. Then you will know full well what the seed contained and possessed and what its purpose is. You see the glory of Messiah in his suffering. You see his love. You see his mercy. You see his great grace on the cross. We witness a God who loves us enough to bleed for us. You see his glory in his suffering. And at the resurrection, you see his majesty, his omnipotence, his power, his resurrection life. At the resurrection, when the seed sprouts from the earth, then you will behold my glory, he says. At the empty tomb, you will know his great power. You will know his victory. We have come to know that not even death itself has a grip on the man, Jesus Christ. Now it is revealed fully who this man is. Not just a prophet, not just a priest, not just a political leader. This man is God of God. Fully man and fully God. This man is divine. He is holy. And death can't contain him. 
His glory knows no limits. He mocks death as he strolls from the tomb. He laughs in the face of his persecutors. His holy heel stomps the head of the serpent. Oh, the seed is sown and it lies in the ground. But when its time has come, it bursts forth and then its true nature will be known. We know him now as glorious. We know him now as beautiful. We know him now as the risen king of all creation. We love him with the depths of all we are for. We know who it is we love, the resurrected Messiah. Oh, but that's not all of the imagery, obviously. The seed must be sown and the seed must sprout. But the seed will bear a great harvest. It will be fruitful. I memorized this verse when I was younger in the King James. Unless a seed fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it does, it bears much fruit. You are the fruit that the seed bears. The seed has been sown. The broken body of Jesus has been sown into the earth. It has got up from the grave. He was raised back to life. And he was raised for the purpose of a great harvest. His death was not a waste. It was not for naught. He suffered with a harvest in sight. He suffered with individuals in sight thousands of years later like yourself. He suffered on your behalf knowing that if you came to him, you would be brought from death to life. Your hard heart could be beat again. Hearts of stone would become hearts of flesh. Any man in Christ would become, by God, a new creation. He went to the cross with your suffering in mind. He went to the cross with your deliverance in mind. He went to the cross with your guilt in mind, intending to deal with your guilt and shame. What does this mean for us? First, it means that there will be a great harvest of souls because there's a seed that's been sown. There will be people who live life in the Spirit. People who are born of a heavenly nature. People who know him intimately and passionately. And the sheep that know the shepherd's voice. There will be a people, a bride brought forth. He says, I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now in this life. First, we have eternal abundant life now. He came so that your heart would beat again in this life. He came that you would know him in the secret place of prayer in this life. He came that you would be delivered of depression in this life, here and now. He came that you would know His voice, that you would see His glory. He came that we would be anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. He healed the sick and He drove out demons and then He commissioned His people to do the same. To carry the power of God to the four corners of the earth. He came that you might have life now. And... He came that you might have total and full and final deliverance in the hour to come. There is an hour coming, friends, when he will split the skies riding on the clouds of heaven. And his feet will descend upon the Mount of Olives and the earth will cry and shake. And there is final, total, full deliverance coming. He came that we might know new creation and new life, that suffering and disease and hunger and poverty would all be fully done away with. All the effects of sin and death would be totally crucified with his broken body. (sighs) 
We are both his harvest today and we are his harvest in the world to come. He says, my body will be sown. My body will rise and my body will produce a great harvest. And then he says this to the Greeks, to the Gentiles. Anyone who loves his life in this life will lose it. But anyone who hates his life in this life will find it. In other words, Jesus says, what I'm doing here must be emulated. He must be willing to die. He must be willing to be mocked and spit on. You must be willing to pick up your cross and follow me in the face of suffering. Where I go, there my servant will be also. In other words, the way that I live, the way that I face death, the way that I allowed the crowds to, to mock me and spit on me, you too will be rejected if you'll have life. He says to the Greeks and the Gentiles, you want everlasting life, sow your life as well. Are you willing to really follow him? It's easy to follow Jesus in modern, southern, western society where Christianity is very much accepted. But give us another 20 years and it might not be. Are you willing to follow him then? Are you willing to suffer on his behalf? Are you willing to carry your cross? Jesus says, stop worrying about your reputation. Jesus said, I have no reputation. I'm spat on. Stop worrying about your things, your relationships, your love of money, your prosperity, your success. All of it must be rubbish to you, Paul says. I count all as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus tells the Greeks, live that way, live abandoned. Wouldn't it be nice to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses? Wouldn't it be nice to stop being tormented at night about what your coworkers think about you? Wouldn't it be nice to die, to sow your life to the kingdom of God? Come serve me, Jesus says, and find life. Worship team, if you'd come. For a moment, I want to ask you to ponder the great love of this Messiah who lives a spotless life, perfectly fulfills law, deserves no punishment, deserves no suffering. The Messiah who says, if I will, I could call legions of angels to deliver me. The Messiah who says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. And I'll take it back up again. Ponder this Messiah who endured an awful and agonizing death. For one purpose, for the harvest. To show you his great love. To open up the door of salvation for you. So that you would not be locked out from heaven, but you would be fully able to enter into everlasting life. Ponder this Messiah with love in his eyes marching towards the cross. Ponder this Messiah who's persecuted and spit on, but yet opens not his mouth. He doesn't defend himself before Pilate, but he willfully endures great agony for you. Don't deny him today. When Aslan bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring. Friends, spring has come. The seed has been sown. The seed has broke the earth and sprouted back to life. And the seed intends to continue to bear a great harvest. Don't leave here today without fully giving yourself to him. 
Don't leave here today without loving the cross, coming to the cross, bowing your knees, weeping before the cross. Don't leave here today with a stale and cold heart. Some of you have heard this gospel your entire life. And it's become cold to you. Ponder it again. Maybe you've missed its beauty. Maybe you've missed its wonder. Maybe you missed the power of the Holy Ghost which is present in this room today. Alter team, if you get in place. I've said this a hundred times and I'll say it again. Yesterday's sin is not what's keeping you out. Maybe in your teen years you had an abortion. Maybe you have lived sexually immoral, had an affair. Maybe you're an alcoholic or a drug addict. Maybe you're bitter and you're a gossip. And you carry a measure of shame. Your shame is not what's keeping you out of the kingdom of God. The punishment for your sin was born on the back of our Messiah. Your guilt is not what's keeping you out of the kingdom of God. There's been holy blood shed to cleanse you and wash you. Your sin yesterday, last night, is not what's keeping you out of the kingdom of God. The only thing that keeps you out of the kingdom of God is your unwillingness to bow your knee to Jesus. Come receive him this morning. So the altars are going to be open. If you want to dedicate your life to Jesus and confess this morning that I am willing to carry my cross. I'm willing to deny myself to have life in Jesus. If that's you this morning, the altars are going to be open. Go ahead and stand to your feet. This morning, we felt like there may be some here who are just tired and dry, man. It's just like it's been a season and I'm exhausted and I don't feel like I have eternal life. We want to ask you to come to the altars this morning. We believe the power of the Spirit is here to meet you, to fill you. David said, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If you need a fresh touch from the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to ask you to come to the altars this morning. Let's worship. Seth, worship for me. Come on, he's holy this morning. Come on, you're worthy this morning, Jesus. The tomb is empty. Hell has been ransacked. Every demonic power flees in the name of Jesus. Come on, the altars are open. Seas into highways. You're the only. 
disqualifies you from the cross this morning so our altar team is here um come up for prayer if you need it um we're gonna go ahead and dismiss you um we hope that you have an amazing week um and we have ben and jerry's ice cream for you so we just um hope that you have an incredible week god bless you